1: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and happy Halloween, everybody. This is our special Halloween show. We have a terrific guest tonight, but unfortunately, our co-host, PK, she really did a number on her back, and she is not able to join us. She just got out of the hospital, so we're sending her healing energy. Hope she feels better. And she said to please give everybody a big hug from her. And she'll be back with us next week, And along with Lon Duquette, famous occultist. He will be joining us. But tonight, oh my goodness, there's so much going on in the world today. We've got to start with the paranormal news. And on our Facebook page, we have several really cool stories. One that's very strange, I have to say. The Satanic Temple. Is suing Netflix over statue in the new Sabrina series, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. If you haven't seen it on Netflix, I highly recommend it. It's a great, great series, very well written, terrific actors. It's worth watching, and they do have this huge statue right in the middle of this uh, entryway to the school for witches. Well, anyways, apparently. The Satanic Temple had a fit over it. They say it's copyright infringement, and they're going after Netflix. What a shame, because it's a great show, and I hope they'll be renewed for another season. But here we go. All this litigious stuff. Ugh, unbelievable. But anyways, check out the show. It is really, really cool. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And we also have a a video there on our Facebook page, and it has a video of UFOs over the Hague. Now, I don't know. I took a look at it. Some of it looks a little odd. I'm not sure if it's for real or not. I'd love for you all to take a look and tell me what you think. Is it real or is it photoshopped or what is it? It is one big UFO with a lot of strange things circling it. So go to our Facebook page, take a look there. And also we have a new, it's called Divine aligns a-l-i-g-n-s make sure you visit and give us a like follow us there we're going to be having all kinds of services available for soul realignment it's the work of andrea hess very powerful it is transformation on steroids so take a look there and go ahead and message us be happy to talk to you about it and if you want to get training in it yourself you can go right to our website supernaturalgirlswithaz.com we have a link there and if you wanted to study with andrea yourself you can do it so just go to that link excuse me it's going to bring you all the information that you need and if you'd like a session then you know where to find it you can get it right here on supernatural girls just go ahead and send me an email or message me on facebook i'll be happy to reply give you all the info you need and set up a session for you very much recommend this work as you know i was a therapist for 20 years and a dream analyst, and I've never seen anything like this work. Very powerful, very quick acting, and it gives real results. So tonight, it's Halloween, everybody, and my goodness, and we've got such a terrific guest, Jay Adam Smith, all the way from Knoxville. He's a ghost hunter, but he's also an historian, and he's been investigating the paranormal for nearly two decades. He's internationally claimed and he's also very sensitive and intuitive himself. He's a master teacher for the paranormal field. He has been featured in ghostly places in Tennessee. That's a book. He's been seen on the travel channels, Paranormal paparazzi. He's been on NBC, ABC, and <clears throat> excuse me, countless other magazines and journals related to the paranormal. So we're going to find out, is Knoxville the most haunted? city in America, we're going to know from the horse's mouth right here. Jay Adam, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for those who are listening in.
1: How did you come to end up in Nashville, I mean, Knoxville, for all, of all places? Because I know you didn't start there. What happened?
2: <laughs> well, you're absolutely correct. Uh, Knoxville, um, I came through because my sister lives up here, and I was traveling across the country. And it's one of those things, and I do warn everyone who's listening, if you do go to Knoxville and you spend more than a couple of weeks here, you will fall in love with it and you will not want to live anywhere else. And I don't um, so I, I stayed up here. Yep, I stayed up here with my sister and I did everything I could when I was living in sunny Florida to get myself back up, to, to get up here and actually live here. And um, when I moved to the city, I found myself just blown away with the history. Just looking around all the historic buildings and just the amount of history, I'm just like, wow! I need to look into this. And the more I looked into the city, the more I was fascinated because it wasn't the the pretty underbelly; it's the dark and shadowy undercolor for for the city. Ooh. The history was just absolutely amazing. And of course, what I started doing is my entrepreneurial spirit. I was like, hmm. Wonderful history, and I've got experience with paranormal investigation. I wonder if I could create something really unique here. So I spent hundreds of hours researching the histories, finding what we call ground zeros locations that something tragic happened, and going to those locations just out of the blue. And this is really pretty much my name, the paranormal historian, from, is I found myself leading by the history and finding these X marks of spot where something crazy happened in the past. And then investigating it and finding out, no figure, we're getting weird things happening. I'm like, no way. And then of course, <laughs> over the years and years of investigating, we're like, this city is seriously active. And then looking at the history, I'm like, no wonder. I mean, not only do we have all the time periods pretty much covered. So just to give you guys a kind of rundown, understand that this was Native American land. We moved here in Native American land, basically saying, we want to expand our territory. Then they were dealing with the territorial Indians that were attacking them. And, of course, what did they do? Oh, us white settlers, we decided to see if we could figure out a way to kind of buy time. So they were like, okay, we'll trade you this. If you let us stay here for a year, we'll come off the land, but we'll give you some furs and whatever kind of stuff that they decided to do. Then the year was up, and then the Indians were like, you're supposed to get off the land. And they're like, well, we'll make another deal with you. So they make another treaty with oh, them. Oh,
1: boy. So sneaky! that's treaties. how they did it. Oh, wow. uh,
2: they were <laughs> so good at their manipulation. And then finally, when the third treaty came through, we had so many people populating the city that at that uh, point we fortified it and uh, made sure that, and then, of course, the Trail of Tears came through here. And that's only the starting level of all the notorious and secret underbelly in this city, they they had a Revolutionary War fort right off the river. Um, And it's funny, they had cannons and all this and all the history books say, oh, the cannons were for wild animals. Yeah, they're considering wild animals the Indians is what basically they're saying.
1: Yeah, Because all they had to do was do one
2: of these big booms with the cannons and the Indians would stay away from the city so they could buy more time with basically threatening them with these loud sounds that they're not familiar with. Then we had mobsters, gunslingers, secrets under the city, uh, civil war divided loyalties. You name it. We had um, organizations such as the KKK and all these white supremacy kind of things. It was very big, big involved with Knoxville. So the KKK was big. You name it. Every time period pretty much has is covered here in the city. So it's like,
1: so could this a be lot one of the most honest cities a lot in America? Of treachery. Yeah, you can see where it was so concentrated and with betrayal and treachery and all of these things that leave a mark on the land. Mm -hmm. And so that's Mm -hmm. that's there for sure. And so you were able to document, I mean, go through the documents, basically, that were already there and bring them more to light and then connect the dots with the ghostly disturbances that you were finding. Good for you. You put it all together. That is correct.
2: I did. I put it together for everyone. On top of that, I dealt with the challenges of the Bible Belt. when you can only guess the first year of taking people around downtown with a bunch of tools that light up, I got a lot of flack about it. You know, what are you doing? Oh, are you serious? You no, ghosts don't oh. Exist, all this. oh, it was tough. And then on the same aspect of wow. running a tour, I had to figure out how do I do it better? You know, I wanted to create one of the best tours in the country. And one of the things that allowed me to do that is one to be accepting of criticism, you know, how can I do this mm-hmm. better? How can I tweak it? How can I make it better? And now we're and pretty much all the, you know, reviewing platforms. we between a 4.6 and a 4.7 area on average on all the platforms. It's because we've created something that doesn't need improvement at this point. We pretty much have, have owned it. You know, I've learned how to be a tour guide. I wasn't a tour guide before I led my tours here. I had to learn how to be a tour guide. And I'll tell you, I tried to train someone to do what I do. Just one of my walking tours, I got to a point of like between eight and ten pages of information to be able to, (laughs) to, you know, delete a tour like me. Everything from psychological to reading the customer to recognizing how to interact with them and you name it, amazing.
1: Well, it takes a special talent, I think, when you're walking between two worlds and you're trying to introduce people to all the phenomenon and give them the background, give them the story. And it sounds like you have it. You've mastered it. But it's not an easy thing <laughs> for most people. So and you found that out. The funniest, the, funniest, not, yeah, <laughs> the
2: funniest thing that I do is really uh, it's so bad. I'll have everyone in front of me. You know, So we, we don't overcrowd the tours, but a lot of times we'll have a maxed-out tour. And I get in front of everyone I says, by the way, you're going to notice that I'm highly animated. Please understand, it's because I truly love what I do, and I'm not trying to turn a skeptic into a believer. I'm going to allow you the opportunity to choose for yourself. And this is this is part of what I'm doing here. Is I'm breaking down. I'm kind of I'm like a mediator between those who don't believe and those who do believe, and saying, "Look, let's all come together. Skepticism is healthy. Skepticism is needed. Use these tools. Substantiate evidence. Yes, we're actually." substantiating evidence on our investigation tours. I'm teaching people how to think outside the box and say, look, yeah, a tool went
1: off. Well, is that enough to confirm it? No, we need more. We need more
2: evidence to confirm that there's something going on here.
1: Oh, they do. Absolutely. I I mean, I think it helps to bridge that gap. Now, tell me a little bit about some of the haunted places that you bring people to and the, the story behind it, because I know my listeners love to hear the details. You know, what are these Mm. places in Knoxville that are so heavily haunted? And what kinds of things have your uh, tour people found when they've gone with you? Or what have you found even by yourself when you go to scout out a place? Anything that's (laughs) really scared you?
2: Well, you know what's absolutely fascinating? And you know, you can tell a story left and right, and I'll be happy to share some of the experiences that, that we've had. But this is what's fascinating. The last six months to a year, I've been allowing people to actually pull out their personal cell phones and videotape video on their, their phones, the evidence that we're getting. And if you go to the, you know those who are listening in, make sure that you, while you're thinking of it, go to my Haunted Knoxville Ghost Tours Facebook page and check out the videos because we're, these people are never investigated before. I'm training them how to use the tools and stuff, and they're actually substantiating evidence right there on camera. And some of the crazy things, for example – one of the locations that I got was the Historic Southern Railway Station. And the Historic Southern Railway Station is this beautiful state train station that is right in the downtown heart of Knoxville. And um, what's interesting is that train station had connections to one of the most uh, disastrous and horrific train accidents in American history. And it was called oh the New Market train, train Wreck. And basically what ended up happening is these two trains um, – ended up colliding head first because the the switch was missed. So for those who are listening in, when you have a single track they have a switch so that way two uh, you know different direction trains can actually pull off the track so the other one can pass. And what happened was that day someone missed the switch. Oh so these two two trains collided at about seventy five miles per hour. And uh, from that all must the records been that horrific. we have uh, it how was many heard people from 15 miles away. Well, that's what's fascinating. Oh, is a lot of times what I find myself doing, especially in Knoxville, <laughs> is finding out that a lot of these stories seem to have cover-ups and the numbers are false and not quite so right and all that. For example, with oh. the train uh, – yeah, it's, well, what I found out through the research is that the train company obviously would – suffer if it was a really bad accident so if they can kind oh, of
1: definitely. soften the blow
2: yeah. so so from everything that we got we actually recognized that um there was a person who did the 100 year anniversary and um he he wrote a book and it's interesting because it's hard to find this book and he went through and actually went to try to find you know all the people who were on the train and you know match them up to burial spots and try to get numbers and and found that the numbers were quite skewed. And um, basically what he's saying is because the train accident happened on a Saturday morning, that would have been worse than during the week because the trains were a huge way for transportation for businessmen to get downtown because in early 1900, not everyone could drive one of these automobiles. So it was very, very popular for transportation. But even on weekends, it would have been overly populated because now you got your family and the kids on the laps. Oh boy! So when, so so, when these two trains have, collided, good.
1: Yeah, that must have taken out just hundreds of people. Did he ever get a real number or something close to it?
2: Uh, we were. I think, if I got this correctly, there was uh, I think over 200 casualties and well over 100 deaths. And what's fascinating is the numbers. That are skewed. I believe the official record is somewhere around the 50 people died, and actually the numbers are are I think closer to 100, if not more. And if those numbers were actually not covered up, and that we're using the official records of this historian that did the research, this would have been the most disastrous train wreck in American history. But the numbers Incredible. don't match. So they they can only when they're doing all these numbers and and have these websites that kind of you know show all the worst train wrecks. This one isn't the highest one because the numbers are wrong on it.
1: Yeah, they're wrong. And they basically, hide, they were hiding what ended up,
2: something.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, what so ended even back then, they were to, they
1: were covering things up just to make money. Now, I would think with a wreck as horrific as that. That could have created a tear in time and space, not just the souls that had that shock of suddenly being involved in, in something like that. But when you went to investigate that area, did you, you must have found a tremendous amount of activity on a lot of levels.
2: The problem is we cannot investigate the actual place of the wreck. The reason is, is because uh, train tracks are federally owned, and of course all the property is privately owned um so being able to actually investigate the location is hard how the train station in knoxville connects to it is that we were the helpers to it so when this happened and basically these two trains hit headfirst and catapulted in the air and landed head straight on the other on the passenger cars basically they were trying to do the triage as fast as they could so they're creating triage on the spot and they're putting on the train People who they felt had a higher chance of survival, you know, surviving. The problem was Mm -hmm. is by the time they got to Knoxville, everyone was dead. So Knoxville's train station turned into a makeshift morgue.
1: I see. So that's how it became a haunted area because the people passed somewhere in between the actual site of the accident and this train station. Wow. That is just a horrible story and so what did you find? What kinds of, of proof and evidence did you uncover from the other side?
2: Well, what's fascinating is, of course, we use a whole bunch of different tools, and, of course, being a master teacher in the field and, and teaching people how to be able to get you know, evidence quickly. And that's really what it's all about. I, gotta, I have to keep people who are ADDs, their, their minds that are really rapid, got to keep them entertained. So one thing I'm mm-hmm. never gonna be able to do in this field is be able to get someone to sit in a dark room for an hour talking at a wall. It's gonna bore them to death and it's not gonna be entertaining. <laughs> <So> boring. Um, <laughs>
1: You're so right. You're so right. It is boring. I've done it. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, so it's so boring what I've done until somebody starts
1: responding. <laughs> I I've actually been known in
2: the industry of being of being one of the individuals that can get um, very quickly, quick evidence, and, and a lot of it in a short amount of time, um, a lot faster than, than most paranormal investigators. So I was like, while everyone's there for five hours, I can go in in two hours, get more evidence than, than they have, and say, bye, have a nice evening, and leave. I don't have to be there till 3 a.m., and, and on top of that, we approach it with a very respectful, safe manner. And it's important for everyone to understand who are listening in that do paranormal investigations. There are different ways to investigate, and the best way to get the most amount of evidence is out of respect. So if you're watching the Ghost Adventures show, you're going to recognize that a lot of times they use a lot of negative reinforcement to try to get the spirits to act and misbehave. The way I like to Mm -hmm. compare it to is a little kitty cat. You've got a cat there in front of you. We all know that cats take time to warm up to. So you have two different behaviors that you can get out of that cat. If I'm aggressive to that cat, I'm going to get the nails and get the, get the hissing at me and get a very angry cat that will never, ever want to interact with me. If I do get a reaction from the cat, it's normally going to be negative because that's the only way I can get a reaction out of it. The other way is, is to understand the cat, be patient with the cat, get the cat to understand me and warm up to me, and then now I've created a friend for life. So the question I have to the listeners and also to you hosting here, would you say that the the pure essence of the cat would be the hissing part or the part that's occurring and getting used to you?
1: Yeah, well, that's a very good point. I mean, we've always said on the show that these people that go and provoke the area, provoke the ghosts are going about it in kind of a stupid way because it's all about communication. I mean, do you really want to know something of import from people that have passed or entities from other dimensions? then? Set up a relationship, you know, be, be open hearted, ask the questions that you want answered and you'll get answers. But yeah, I think provoking spirits is not a good idea overall.
2: It's not only not a good idea, but if you're trying to understand what that spirit is, what happened to them, what's their life, what's going on, you're not going to get it by provoking them at all i'm not there so these haunted places that people are getting these evidence at they're getting scratches and getting the angry spirits right this, that's not really the spirits i'm sure the spirits are are, are fine are decent de- decent people and if you were to be understand their history and that's why the history is important with paranormal investigation being a paranormal historian understand them. the more you know the better you do and of course with this history the spirits are going to see wow they 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 care about me. They understand me. They want to know about my life. Like, you know, you can sympathize with them with that. And then what will happen is you'll start getting some amazing responses from the spirits. And I think that's one of the reasons why the train station event, we get so much activity. So, so you asked me what kind sure of activity you're right. we're getting.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: One of the most amazing EVPs we've ever captured was using a spirit box. So by the way, those who are not familiar with a spirit box, it's the SB7. And basically what it is is a radio frequency scanner that has been modified to sweep stations and leave a lot of white noise. So occasionally you will get the radio, but really the way you use that device is you are always asking questions. You're always trying to talk to the spirits to hear a response, which is good because you're opening up that communication, a dialogue, all right? So you go through these questions and you'd be very thankful. Make sure that when you're investigating, you please and thank you. Why? Because if you're dealing with old spirits, if you don't use please and thank you, you're actually disrespecting them. Yeah, if they're older than you, those spirits, if you don't say please and thank you, they're going to like, who is this jackass talking to me?
1: <laughs>
2: All right? And, and that's why this is Yeah, you So, you're right. so, so one, one night I had a 10-year-old. Hilarious. This girl was a pain in the butt. I could tell. And she was <laughs> using one of my trigger devices, and she was like, turn it on now. And I was looking at her, and, of course, my jaw was almost to the ground at that point. I'm like, I do not claim this girl. She was not mine. But I couldn't help but be a scientist. I observed her, and I was like, okay, I'm going to see whether that behavior is going to get any evidence. The answer was, no, it didn't. I sat next to her, and I said, young lady, I said, I want to let you know, I feel as though you're going to get more evidence if you are respectful. And as soon as I corrected her, the device went off for the first time.
1: Ah, see? Her her next response was – uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. You taught her it's, some so manners. That, it sounds like somebody didn't.
2: Some so. <laughs> well, the, the problem is, is today's society. Today's, today's society, we don't use please and thank you very much. No, we we really don't. don't. No. And, but the problem right. is, is that we also don't take, take insult when someone doesn't say please and thank you to us. See, back in the day, people would take insults if you didn't. Say please and thank you, but today because it's so out of – I mean people are calling each other curse names jokingly. Things have changed a lot, but the problem is it has not changed with these spirits. It hasn't Mm -hmm. changed at all. So you have to understand, and this is where parapsychology comes from, is to understand that we're dealing with people on the other side. Now, if you piss off a spirit and you're trying to investigate and you guys are being disrespectful unknowingly by not you know, understanding the history of the spirits and not saying please and thank you, is it possible that that spirit could come through and start pulling your leg?
0: Absolutely.
2: So here's the yeah. thing. You're investigating this place and you're using one of the devices and stuff and you're getting real scared and you hear the word demon come through it. Can you really take that for real? Or could a spirit be pulling your leg?
1: Answers that's a very hard thing for, especially an amateur, to know the answer to. So, yeah, I think you're bringing up a really important point, Jay Adam. I mean, it is important to know something about who you are trying to talk to, and that that time did have a, a whole different level of gentility and manners and respect that we definitely don't have today. So, yes, that that's a really good point. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think it's it's. I think it's great that you taught that little girl a lesson about that. I'm sure she'll remember it forever. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really important. And, of course, you got your confirmation when the lights went off right after you had that conversation with her. Perfect.
2: That is that is correct. So going back to the train, I get a little off topic, but I have fun. And my most important thing that I'm doing is I'm going to help people be successful and safe on the investigations. And that's the most important thing. I have never had a problem on in my investigations that someone has attack, been attacked or whether they brought anything home with them because there's really no mm, chance. Yeah. you know, I'm very nice and very polite when investigating. Well, anyhow, on one of the train cars, and this doesn't really relate to the Newmarket train wreck, but it does relate to th- that these train cars can be haunted. One of my investigators said out loud, "How long have you been here?" And of course, the device going, yeah, literally it sounds like this: twenty-six years right (gasps) out,
1: that clear oh my that's a good one
2: clear and for those who are listening in you can hear that directly on our facebook page haunted knoxville ghost tours so when you go there you can see i believe it's got a description 26 years on it so you can hear really how amazing it is now what's really great about the spirit box is when you're investigating with this device you do not have to worry about contamination in the room so i want to talk to the spirits well, if I'm using a digital voice recorder, there is a chance that I might be getting the sounds from someone that's in the room with me, all right? So there could be contamination. The right. Spirit Box is a great device to use that cannot be, that's not going to be contaminated with. And there's no possible way that the Spirit Box could hear my question, let alone answer, because it's just a radio. It's not a walkie-talkie, all right? So that's, just, that's one yes. of them. But <laughs> last October, crazy, crazy. We're investigating the train. We went into the sleeper cars. Now, of course, spirits still think that they are walking around just like us. They, they, they still think they have a physical body. So, of course, spirits probably think they need to sleep, too, don't they? Well, right. the sleeper cars that's set up with beds and everything still, because this is an anti, a, a train, you know, antique train set up here. Um, so people can go in and see, you know, the cars all dressed up like they were originally. So anyhow, I take a group into one of these sleeper cars and I say out loud, "I hope we're not dis- disrupting. We don't. We're not disrupting you. I hope tonight." And with everyone in this one room of the car, the light turned on above us. The next thing I did was I looked around in my room. I looked. All right, did anyone touch a switch? And they're like, they're yeah. all, their faces are all like, mm-mm, nope, nope. And their hands are like, not me, not me. So I was like, okay, that was weird. So I was going through and asking more questions. And finally, right before I decided to leave, I ended up saying, if we're, if we're bothering you, if you're trying to get some rest, let us know and we'll leave. And the light went on one more time in the, in the car with us. So I said, okay, everyone, to be respectful, let's go ahead and leave. So I went outside and I said, look, guys, I'm not going to be mad. If any of you guys played a joke, a Halloween joke, it is October, I'll laugh. I just want to know that this is real evidence. And, of course, everyone's face was like, uh-uh, hell no, we didn't do anything, All right? So I ended up contacting the, the guy who, who pretty much runs the station. He does a lot of the stuff. His name is Bryce. And I said, Bryce, this is what happened. I need to know, what, you know whether this is real. And I told him the story of the light coming on, and I didn't hear him. I said, Bryce, are you still there? said jay i'm kind of freaked out i said why are you freaked out he says i couldn't turn those lights on if i wanted to there's problems with electrical in that car it's had issues for about five or six months now
1: listen to that that's amazing so there's your proof amazing
2: oh well yeah crazy now of course the worst part is we didn't have that video you know so we only have all the people who were in the car to do it that was one of the things that we could not we didn't have video but we still have that memory and it was so unique um so the 26 years one that we got um, in the car, what's fascinating, that would have dated back to 1991. Train cars at that time were very popular for the homeless. So it's very possible that there might be a spirit that may have died in one of those cars. So my next step is going to end up being going down to the police and see if I can get any records of 1991 in, in the train depot there to see if there's any, any casualties, anyone that died. If so, we'll have a direct um you know know exactly what that um, 26 years could be relating to Yeah,
0: what you a know? great
1: idea yeah you know, to source that that way wow so that's a, a really haunted area and, and obviously you have found a <laughs> terrific way to work with people and spirits and what about other spots in knoxville because you you refer to it and a lot of people refer to it as the most haunted city in america and you've given uh-huh. us reason to, to know why based on everything that's gone on in the past. What are some of the other places you've been to?
2: Well, um, there is the Bijou Theater. The Bijou Theater is classified in the top 100 Honda places in the Southeast. Um, it was used um, by both Confederate and Union during the Civil War as a headquarters. So it's very possible that the blue and white jackets, or blue and gray jackets, are still fighting each other inside the building. Um, it connects to mm. a, a high ranking officer that actually was, um, died up in that building and there's unfinished business because they buried him behind the backs of the city and the soldiers, um, at that time. So that was really not very proper behavior, a farewell for a high ranking officer. Um, so William Sanders could be potentially haunting that location. Um, there's also mm-hmm. the same Baker Peters house, which is over in West Knoxville, where, um, a, a, a doctor, a little, little town doctor during the Civil War. He was aligned with the Confederacy. So once Union occupied the city, they basically sent a militia to his house and uh, long story short, he end, they ended up killing Dr. Baker by shooting through his bedroom door and uh, he died on the second floor. But um, that location is highly haunted. Um, I actually had one of my first uh, personal experiences down in the basement where his medical office was that got touched on an investigation. Um, And as cool a cat as I am, when you're in the dark and something touches you on the shoulder, it's gonna it's <laughs> gonna get you to yipe. And I still will go yeah, back and laugh. and especially in the basement.
1: I, I think the basement is one of the worst places to be for anything. And uh, <laughs> so, what happened? You were down there by yourself, and you felt that tap on your shoulder?
2: Well, I had a friend of mine doing some videotaping, and then I had an apprentice who I was tr- kind of training her to get used to her sensitivity um, being able to recognize and not be so scared of, um, paranormal investigation and stuff. So basically she was just a trainee and I was just, you know, teaching her a little bit. So she was there as well. And we were feeling an overwhelming amount of energy, uh, in that basement and very possible because Dr. Baker was a caring man. And, um, during civil war, you know, he would be helping soldiers and, um, we felt just the energy of soldiers in that basement. And, um, Basically, we felt as though Abner was there because, basically, Abner came back during the war and found out his dad was killed by by Union scum, basically, is what he would call it. And, um, basically, he decided to go downtown as a lone Confederate soldier into the lion's den to confront the man that turned his dad in. And um, he confronted the man downtown. And the man did the biggest insult at that time. He hit him over the head with his cane. Now, that right there started duels back in the day. Well, Abner ended up pulling out his pocket Derringer gun and shot him right in the head. And, uh, of course, he was mobbed. He was thrown in jail. Um, he didn't last 24 hours because of a lynch mob. So the lynch mob came and basically required the jail to release him or else they had burned down the building. And basically, um, long story short, they dragged him around town uh, behind horseback and hung him in multiple locations downtown as an example of what you do not do in a Union-occupied city. Uh, but he was given one of the biggest uh, monuments in the, um, the first Presbyterian graveyard, which um, I believe that if Abner's here, he's probably there partially because of the love and adoration that was given to him for avenging his father's death, you know. But the city is so crooked. Yeah, he did avenge it, but at what
1: a cost. Yeah, that's a terrible story.
2: I mean, just to give you an Uh idea, most people don't know this. In the 1800s, Knoxville was one of the most dangerous cities in America. It was really the wildest. Oh, really?
1: Uh,
0: Oh, gosh, yeah.
2: I mean, you, you had to carry a gun on our main street, which is called Gay Street. You couldn't walk down the street without a gun slinging on your side. Stories uh, in the early 1800s would say you'd be lucky to make it to the city alive from the boats because we had this oh, massive God. hill that takes you up to the top of the hill. And we had the famed river people down there looting, robbing and killing people for the st- the good they had on their boats. It was so bad. And um, even stories about all the incredible. hangings that were done right downtown. Thousands would come to watch these hangings. And, and I found an ac- account showing that the sheriff himself was selling pieces of the noose for souvenirs. Holy cow.
1: This was a wild city. It it sounds much worse than the Wild West because it sounded like, at least, in some of the stories we've heard from investigators in the Wild West, that there was some level of honor. But it doesn't sound like that in Knoxville. It sounds like it was every person for themselves and gangs and Oh, my. Oh, yeah. You know wow, no the wonder it's so rich with hauntings. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Going through all this history, I'm like, I was saying to myself, I'm like, wow, this could, be, this could be one of the most haunted cities in the country, just with how much stuff I'm running across. I'm like, I, yes, I can't exactly. keep up with all this stuff, how bad it was. I'm like, this is absolutely wicked. And truly about the wicked part, there's a statue yeah. down by the river that has some kind of a quote, but basically says the devil has arrived in Knoxville. And you know <laughs> oh, what? Wow. Back in the day, it really did kind of arrive in Knoxville. I'm not saying it's, it's dangerous now. It's a wonderful, beautiful city to visit. So many amazing thing. I'm a huge cheerleader for the city. But if we're talking about its history, I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to sweep it underneath the, the carpet. I'm going to tell you the truth. This city was bad. It was really bad, yeah, but it makes a great it story, and it's part of our history.
1: Now, let me ask you this, Jay Adam, when it comes to all these spooky stories that we understand now, I understand the reason that it's so haunted. What about with cryptids and all kinds of, of creatures like Bigfoot and things like that? Have there been any stories that you've heard around those topics?
2: I really don't work too much in the crypto zoo- zoological aspect. Um, I know that mm-hmm. they, back in the day they had myths and legends about different kinds of animals that that um, were were you know around the shorelines and all that. Um, <clears throat> but I really never followed that too much uh, because it hasn't been really been my focus. It's not that I don't believe uh, in a lot of that stuff. Um, and sometimes with that I've noticed is that. Some of the traditions we'll share about, you know, oh, uh, the, the, what's that um, animal that's down in, like, South America um, that uh, takes the shape of a human chupacabra? and the animal. And there it is, chupacabra. Thank you. I was losing losing my train of thought there for a second. Well, that one's a fascinating one because, you know, whether, you know, I'm actually a shaman um, with the Cherokee Chickamauga Wolf Clan. I'm, I, I, I earned the position of an honorary shaman with that, with showing my abilities with my spiritual counseling, my interaction with spirit and uh, also my energy healing and, and uh, spirit combat. And what's fascinating Mm -hmm. once with learning more about the native American cultures is that we can take on animal spirits. You know, we can actually, you know, if we're needing the assistance of a particular animal and the strength from that animal, we can become the bear and whether or not there was, you know, Imagery being added to some of these stories in relations to that we can use Mother Earth and we can use the animals to assist us. It's very possible that that could have gotten the folklore. Um, mm-hmm. Do I believe in you know, extraterrestrial and alien and all that kind of stuff? The answer is yes. Uh, the universe is way too, way too vast. And um, I believe that you know, if anyone's alien, we are. <laughs> we're alien on this planet Earth. Yeah, we are the um. aliens, right? <laughs> exactly. Isn't that, what, uh,
1: we're all, we're, isn't that what that NASA billionaire said? He said, we are we're the aliens? And he said, they're right under our noses. Kind of makes you think it's us. So, yes. So well, I just was curious about it because I know in the South there's been a number of stories that have been reported about Wolfman, Bigfoot, and other types of creatures like that. And I wondered if Knoxville had their own. But certainly they have enough other things going on to make it a fascinating place to visit. And
2: Yeah, one of the things that I like that to do is I like to stay very scientific. Boxes. Yeah, I like to stay very scientific when I do my stuff. When I, when I have the experience, when I have the personal experience, I tend to be a little bit more of a cheerleader in relation to it. I don't deny some of these stories and these things going on. But, um I really want hard facts. I want I want uh, myths and legends are nice, for example. I found that there was a myth and legend about an undertaker's office downtown. I found a location that was mysteriously empty, and it's one of our Ground Zero locations, and there's nothing there. And I start pulling up. And I'm like, "Wow, fascinating. There was an undertaker's office here for a long time. Then I found out this is not just a undertaker's office. this was the undertaker's office. like, "Wow!" This, this Undertaker's co- uh, company has been around for 150 years, started in 1870. Holy cow. And then then I started getting into and hearing there's a myth and legend about the organization saying that initially that they were a little crooked. And I'm like, hmm. So, of course, I don't want to obviously jump to conclusions and say the myths and legends are true. But what I will try to do is see if there's any way I can substantiate the claim, see if I can make truth out of that. So then I started thinking, okay. In the 1800s, what kind of biz, What kind of stuff could undertaker's office be doing that's crooked? And then I saw yeah. around the world they were selling bodies. I'm like, okay. Then I said, Oh hmm, wow!
1: Could okay. that have been?
2: Then I then I was like, then I was like, could that be Knoxville? Then I started looking up where was it common practice to sell bodies? And then I found out in cities with medical schools. I was like, oh, right. because they're selling bodies to the schools. Then I started researching Knoxville. I'm like, I wonder. If we had a medical school and finding out that we've had a prominent medical school since the early 1800s, I'm like, okay, so we have a medical school, and it's only a mile away. It's like a straight shot from this location. I'm like, huh, that would be convenient. So I start putting all these pieces together saying, you know, this myth and legend might have some real merit to it, but see what I'm trying to do. I'm never going to find an actual document So you know, you're not going to find that, but, but I start substantiating yes. it but through it does, the possibility that this could be true.
1: Yes, it adds up. I mean, one plus one makes two here. Certainly, if they were a bit crooked, that would have been the way they'd go. So they were charging people for funerals and acting like they were burying their loved ones and they were selling them off to the medical school.
2: Potentially, but this is what's fascinating. I took it even further. I decided to push the fringe a little bit. So here I am. I'm doing this, these investigations like, huh, how many people know this location? And the answer is none. This is one of those locations that... You could live your whole life in Knoxville and very rarely will anyone be able to put the pieces together like I did. So no one knows of this location. So what I decided to do is I blind tested some psychics from out of state. So I brought them on a private excursion with me to different locations. And
4: before I brought
2: them to this one, I wanted to see whether they were decent quality before I did so. So I brought them to one location, which was the old courthouse. And and. She was walking along the sidewalk. She didn't even go onto the property where the old courthouse is. She's walking on the sidewalk, and she starts looking up. Like 15, she's like, there was a really big fence back in the day, like fifteen feet tall. And I was, I was taking note because I know my history of that spot. She starts walking some more. She's like, there's a there's someone guarding this fence. He's wearing like a red jacket. This psychic recognized that there was in the late 1700s, early 1800s, a federal barracks there. I was like, okay, this girl, she's good. She's good. She knows I mean, what she's she doing. Yes, her, good. Exactly. She could see the, the you know what's there today, the old courthouse, and talk about that. But she went way back before even the old courthouse was there. So then I decided to walk her around this undertaker location that she has no clue. And what was interesting mm-hmm. is when she got to that location, she was led to the back door, not the front door. I'm like, whoa! Look where she's going. She's walking in the back door, and she once that area, and her face was puzzled. She looked at the ground. She looked back up. She looked at the ground, and she said, "Was this place dealing in body parts?" I'm like, "Oh uh,
1: my wow. god!" she hit it.
2: Oh, I was like, there, for her. There's no way she would have known that. So I was like, okay, all right. I think that uh, I think there might have been something going on at this location, you know. Um, so, so I bring yes. that up to my participants. But isn't that exciting? Oh, this is the kind God. of stuff that my participants get to experience with me. Not a random tour guide, but they, I get to walk them around. I get to share my excitement for the Knoxville history. I get to give them all this amazing research that I've done. And then I let—I train them. I actually put everything went through a ghost hunting 101 where they actually get to be the investigator. And like, okay, here's how to use it properly. Here's how to debunk. Here's how to recognize something a little weird, you know? Make sure you call in support if you get something weird. All this. So by the end of two and a half hours, they literally know how to investigate.
1: That is such a great thing that you're doing, J. Adam, really. It's because you're combining all the right elements to give people a a positive experience. Now we're going to take a very short commercial break. Come back and hear more of your adventures in Knoxville. This is (laughs) great, J. Adam. So glad you're here with us. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back.
0: Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth-dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com
3: Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Available on Amazon.com.
4: Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All stridium products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridium. Visit www.astridium.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridium, the beauty of being healthy.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with our terrific guest tonight on Halloween, Jay Adam Smith. He is a Knoxville ghost hunter historian, and we are hearing all about his adventures in the beautiful city of Knoxville, heavily haunted. My gosh, Jay Adam, how like just about (laughs) every building you go into is filled with spirits. So tell us more. It is,
2: it is. Oh, man, there's so much more to talk about in relations to downtown Knoxville. Um, one is also fascinating is the, uh, the Wild Bunch, you know, Wild West days. You know, we were talking about how Knoxville was the Wild East. Uh, we all know the Wild West, so it's kind of like that hidden nice. secret city. And, of course, for those of you who know your Wild West stories, you know, you've got the Wild Bunch with Butch and Sundance. And, of course, they're known for the biggest train robbery in American history. Well, what's fascinating is, is one of the most dangerous outlaws in that gang, his name was Harvey Logan, a.k.a. Kid Curry. Well, Kid Curry, after they robbed that train, he decided to shave his mustache, which he kind of hid behind that mustache on all his wanted posters as what it showed. And But what's weird is Kid Curry didn't go to L.A. or New York or any of these big cities. He decided to come to Knoxville. And I think that's <laughs> the part that people need to understand is why would this famed outlaw come here? And it's because you know of following him.
4: <laughs> I we guess had it was.
2: <laughs> Yeah, we had 100 plus bars and brothels, and we were truly a dangerous place. It was a place for the rough and tough and the outlaw type. And he enjoyed yeah, his I money, it's, it's I am sure.
1: To, yeah, I mean, people back then, it's not like today with cameras and Everybody would have noticed if somebody came into a, a place, or a lot of people would have seen him. Nobody would have noticed, especially when he didn't have his mustache on, right? So he could have disappeared into the bowels of Knoxville, and nobody would have known who he was.
2: Exactly, and he got away with it for a couple of months. And I'm sure that he had a good time with all of his winnings and being that rich, rich tycoon in a way with all the money he had. But then one day at Ike's Saloon, an officer picked a random fight. And this is what's fascinating. An officer picked a fight with him. This, kind of, this hmm. kind of shows you a little bit of the underbelly. All the stories say, say it was instigated by the police officer. But at some yeah, point during gosh. the brawl, they recognized it was Kid Curry. And at that point, it all got real. And um, basically, long story short, he, they ended up uh, you know, chasing after each other, and he killed a couple officers uh, with some wounds that you know, basically could not heal and um, was captured. And uh, was tried right in the city. And uh, what's fascinating about it is all the history books. They say that initially they stuck him in the jail that was the main jail. And of course he was known for escaping jails in the past. He he was put in jail, and basically he was borrowing a a broom to sweep out his cell and stole the wiring about around the bottom. And um, basically got the jailer of the door, got it around his neck, and disarmed him, took his keys, and was last seen crossing the Gay Street Bridge on the sheriff's horse. But what's truly, truly <laughs> fascinating about the story that's hilarious. Is I, I, I found contrary information, Oh. Okay. and that's really where it's fascinating. So I'm sure the, those who are listening, and, and possibly you as well, you're probably familiar with the Pinkerton Detective Agency. Now, Pinkerton got their start with uh, Abraham Lincoln Lincoln, uh, as security. But what people Mm -hmm. don't understand about the Wild West days is the banks were losing a ton of money because of these outlaws that are going into these these cities with fast horses and, and, and wild guns. So the bankers got desperate, and they decided to hire the Pinkertons not as security but as mercenaries. So, so, you know, we, we have the movie Deadpool that we, we, we love watching today and stuff. And Deadpool is about this merc, you know, he's a merc, you know, mm-hmm. he's a mercenary. Well, back in the day, these Pinkertons were mercenaries. But see, it wouldn't have been smart for these Pink- Pinkertons to try to get in a shootout with some of these outlaws they're going after because these outlaws, they knew their gun very well, if you know what I'm saying. And yeah. so what did the Pinkertons do? They got super smart. They decided to infiltrate the gangs as one of them, build the trust, be there for a while, you know, kind of like fishing, you know, be patient. So they were like
1: secret agents.
2: Exactly. Going in there undercover. This is what happened. Mm -hmm. Yep. And this is what happened. After a while, once they build that trust, they'll rob the bank and they'll be miles out from the city. They just robbed and they'll be sleeping around the fire. In the middle of the night, they'd gank them all. Oh, wow. They wouldn't They wouldn't that's go something. back with an outlaw they slain. They'd go back with a wagon full.
1: Oh, my goodness. So do you think that's so, what happened to Kid Curry?
2: Well, to continue the story, I read in the memoirs of a retired Pinkerton agent, very well respected. He wrote a book about the good, the bad, and the ugly in relations to the Pinkerton organization. And this book, when it was written right around the nineteen twenties area, um Pinkertons were scared to death. They're like, "We do not want you to write this book." He wrote it anyhow. The Pinkertons bought oh, up every goodness. copy, then put it on the banned <laughs> book list.
0: But you know what's really? awesome about
2: us today? Yeah, what's awesome about us today is we can read, thanks to our Freedom of Information Act, so this book you can actually find uh, see. And they there can't
1: hide it anymore.
2: Yep,
0: there was a chapter
2: Curry in Knoxville, and I'm like, oh my God! And this is, the, as you can hear <laughs> in my voice, I'm like, I'm giddy like a like a school kid because yeah, here I you're am so I'm spending this time. It. Yeah, I'm running. I'm, I'm going. I'm spending all this time, and I'm just like, I hope I find a good one today, and I'll spend all. All eight hours in there you know researching and I'm like, I found one, I got a good one. You know, and then I got over <laughs> so forty Pinkertons- ground zeros now.
1: Yeah, well, wow. Now did they take him out? Did the Pinkertons uh take Kid Kid Curry and get rid of him?
2: So I got your attention, didn't I? <laughs> you're no, like no, I don't okay, want to know more of the yeah, boy, this because,
1: one. You know, it's, uh, we have this romantic image of him riding off on the sheriff's horse, but then something else happened.
2: But this is fascinating. So, this reti- so I read that chapter, and the chapter said that the Pinkertons were kind of scared uh, at the end, of, you know, early 1900s because they were running out of outlaws to go after. He said in that chapter that the Pinkertons paid the sheriff equal to almost $3,000 in, in early 1900s and all the food his horse could eat to ensure that Kid Curry gets out unharmed. So the question is, did he escape from his jail or did the sheriff let him out and give him his horse?
1: (laughs) What a great story. Isn't that crazy? It's It's absolutely crazy.
2: crazy. And so you have all these history books that talk about Kid Curry and you don't hear about this. And I I think we as people need to start questioning things Researching more instead of taking whoever's writing this book's word for, for you know, as truth. And I think the history mm-hmm. books tend to be written by the cities and the people who want to cover up things and you know, keep things a certain way. Knoxville is beautiful. Knoxville is amazing, but it's got that underbelly that we can learn from and also remember because it makes a great story, obviously. Um, but does. the thing is, is that, yeah, the thing is, is in the 1800s, a lot of the stories tend to be hidden, and they're, it's hard to find. Um, one is fascinating because there was a three-way homicide that happened right on Gay Street, and it was right after the Civil War. It happened October 18th, 1882, and um, mm-hmm. it was between two ex-Civil um, War high-ranking officers. So the city, the reason, understand everyone who's listening, the reason Knoxville has so much issues is because we were one of the few divided loyalty cities. So we were pretty much right half 50-50 with Confederate and Union. And basically, we, we lost the city. Uh, it was originally Confederate, then it went Union. Uh, and it basically, it's bouncing back and forth. So after the Civil War is done, people are going back to their old homesteads, and they're still aligned with the different sides. And what happened was constant fighting. It was so bad. Yeah. So here we have this story with these two high-ranking officers that had a shootout in Gay Street, and even the son got involved and got killed. Three of them all died. And the reason we remember it today, because someone famous got off the boats that day and happened to arrive in this city. And we all are familiar with this writer because his name is Mark Twain.
1: Oh, my goodness,
2: yes. So Mark Twain, if he did not arrive on the day he did, and see this horrible spectacle right in front of his eyes, it is very possible that this – that story, the Mabry O'Connor shootout, could have been lost as well. Absolutely, yes. Sometimes this history is saved by these few individuals that go in and say, you're not going to change what I see. You're not going to change what I'm going to tell about and tell you about this history. I'm Mm going to tell you what I see. And Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens, thank goodness he existed, right? because he showed what it was like back in those days because if it wasn't for him, I don't know. Our history books, I think, would be a little different, don't you think?
1: I think so, absolutely. I agree with you. Yes, I mean, there are very few people like that that would be able to have the the integrity to tell what they saw and also the talent to write that way. So he was an amazing person, no question. But gosh, I mean, this is... (laughs) As much as you're saying you love Knoxville now, I I think I'd still have some pause about going there today. I mean, I'm happy to go on your ghost tour because it sounds like a lot of fun and and it also gives you some real experience. But my goodness, the background of this city is frightening. Oh yeah, and I love it when
2: people are like, you know, when I first started the tours, are like, you know, you know, I was like, they're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm trying to do my best Tennessee Uh-oh. action they're like what are you doing out here? You must
1: have wondered if you were going to be hanging from a tree Jeez
2: <laughs> well you know so you know, there were def- definitely those who didn't like what I was doing but this is funny they're like what are you doing here? I'm like well we're investigating the paranormal. <laughs> You're doing what? I'm like yeah, we're investigating <laughs> the, the spirits around here and they're like you know, ghosts don't exist. <laughs> I, oh, I really, God. I almost wanted to respond back saying, if ghosts are going to exist, they're definitely going to be in this city.
1: <laughs> no kidding. Now, Jay Adam, where are you from? Where were you born?
2: I was actually born in New Hampshire, but spent most of my life in sunny Florida.
1: Okay, because I was going to say you sound like a northerner. So <laughs> I don't That's say the, the pacts against you in the South.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is. And it's funny because uh, when I, we were interacting with uh, Abner Baker at the Baker Peters investigation, when I got touched, it was fascinating because we were getting responses that Abner almost did not want to talk to me. And we're like, why? And we Mm -hmm. got, because I was, I was, I was a northerner. I was um, what do you call that, um, uh oh not union what's another way you can call it another terminology i'm having a having issue with my room or whatever you would have
1: been an adversary you would have been on the wrong team that's for sure
2: exactly
1: exactly
2: yes so so but what's fascinating was what actually uh, got me into this field and i'm sure those who are listening you know they're, they're hearing what i've done here in knoxville but i'm sure that you know one of the things that um most terrifying in relations to me and investigating was my first experience. And I think most people who investigate the most terrifying is when that, that first aspect of, of understanding that there's more out here, the spirits out here and it's scary, you know, and um, I bought a 1923 house that was in Leesburg, Florida. And Mm -hmm. I felt like I'd literally hit the gold mine. I found this beautiful old 1923 house, two story house on a corner lot. Literally catty corner across from a park with a fountain in the middle, two blocks away from downtown. It was amazing. And I was, I'm a violinist outside of all the stuff I do, and I was creating a violin school. So I, I was going to live in the house and also have a place to teach. So I had all this elaborate ideas, and I get in there, and literally within the first two weeks, I'm outside tending my garden to get it ready. And someone drives by and hangs out the window and says, hey, mister, you know your house is haunted, don't you? They weren't, they weren't making it a question. <laughs> they were more like telling me, you know it is, yeah, don't you? Yeah, this is how it is. And, of course, Woo! in my response, because I didn't believe in, in ghosts at that time, I was like, uh, no, thank you. You know, I was like, but what, this is what's interesting because it makes sense now with my experience when investigating. I, I blew it off. And I didn't recognize you anything did? for about two. Yeah, oh yeah, I blew it off. I'm like, okay, there's a crazy person online, whatever, you know. But I, I kind of mm-hmm. blew it off. Two months, nothing. But then after two months, point is when things start happening, and it makes sense because you move into a new place. the Spirits are gonna be kind of watching you from afar for at first. They want to see what you're about. So so most people who buy a new place, they'll recognize the activity isn't right at the beginning. It takes a little time for it to happen. And that's exactly what happened in this house. You know, I started recognizing lights turning on upstairs and, and faucets turning on. I'm like, what is going on with this? I can't figure out why it's going on. But, but of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, you know, okay, there's something wrong with electrical. You know, I'm going to blow it off the best I can. But then cold spots <laughs> started coming out of nowhere. Weird oh. emotions inside the place started happening. I started recognizing uh, one of my friends, oh, and your, your listeners are going to love this. I had a friend, her name was Lindsay, and she had this the cutest little, well, not little, the big baby uh, boxer dog. Mm-hmm. And it was the cutest thing, obviously very energetic and always all over you and wanting to give you kisses and stuff. And I remember the dog's behavior in general because I'd go and visit her and stuff. Well, she decided to come over and brought Otis as soon as they walk through the door, Otis gets down in a low position, tail between his legs, and acting very skittish in my house. And I knew it was weird because Lindsay said, Otis, what is up with you? So when I observed the dog, and I observed the way she was responding to the dog, I was like, something is up here. Something is up here. And I was already starting to, to get into trying to understand paranormal investigation. So I was starting to, research, and, um, I was, and I was actually working on getting my certification in paranormal investigation, a distance learning thing, just to get more knowledge to understand what I'm doing, because I knew nothing about this. All I knew was in a house, I was in a house, I was having issues. So anyhow, I, I basically started becoming the teacher at that point. I started becoming the person who can lead, because I recognized what mm-hmm. was going on, and I learned about saging and smudging a house. I learned about how that And happens. did that That's help? Helping. Oh. Did that my help?
0: God, it
2: did. I started recognizing when I did it it was working. So I decided to use Lindsay and Otis as teaching tool as a test. I put, I basically was, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to see whether this works. So I decided to put them both in oh oh, before before I did that, Otis did one more thing that literally truly alarmed me. He went into one of the rooms and started growling at a wall. My first impression was, was there a reflection? Was there something there? Was there maybe a, uh, maybe a mouse or something, maybe, or some, something that, but like he was growling, like a protective growl, at that wall. And at that point, I was like, okay, I've got to try something. I think I have an idea what's going on. So I decided to put them both in my office that was excluded. Shut the door. and said, mm-hmm. I'll be right back. I didn't want to alarm them because I wanted, I wanted them to be a guinea pig. I wanted them to, be, to, to, to treat it scientifically. So I shut the door, and I started walking around with Sage and Bernie Sage and said, darkness, leave now. Darkness, leave now. This is protected by Father God and all this. Going through and, um, and taking care of it. So after I finished, I opened the door and said, okay, guys, come on out. Otis walks around without any problems at all. Lindsay comes out. And she says, what did you do? And I responded, what do you mean, what did I do? She says, it feels different. I'm like, explain that more. Why, how does it feel different? She says, it feels inviting, and it doesn't feel cold and damp. I said, really? So you were she successful. Says, you were able I to actually bash successful.
1: whatever was there. Mm-hmm. I did. Good and for then you.
2: Otis is walking around, and she's like, Otis is behaving different. What on earth is going on? I said, "Do you really want to know?" She says, "I want to know." I <laughs> said, "I might scare you." Yeah. She, I said, "My house. I feel as though it's been haunted. I've had a lot of issues in here, and a lot of times hauntings will have spirits that kind of like to observe you. <clears throat> so, you know, before I put her in the in the office, I also kind of asked asked her to analyze." Otis's behavior when he was growling at that wall, because I saw her going, "Oh, she's like, Otis, what are you doing? And I knew it was unusual, so I asked her at that time, I said, Lindsay, can you tell me last time you saw Otis behave that way? And she's like, um, no, no, uh, wait, one time. And I looked at her and says, one time's all I need. She says, mm-hmm. I remember taking Otis into a party. A lot of people were there, and there was this person in the back And he was in the shadows, and you couldn't make him out, but you can kind of see that he was watching us. And Otis got really protective. I'm like,
0: oh, I know what's going on.
2: There's an enemy watching us, and Otis didn't like it. So so anyhow, when I told her all this news, she's like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah. Um, So what did I do? You're going to love this. I had to get out of that house because when I did research for the house, I found out. In the 1980s, not 1880s, in the 1980s, in this 1923 house, the house was used as a nursing home. They did not oh, close that when I bought it. So, oh, so gosh. One of the things so it's that, almost like that a that hot truly You got it. People would have died here. And what really, truly freaked me out the most with all the haunted aspects I had is one night I was testing out my air mattress in the front living room. For a camping trip, right around 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I got woken up to a male moan inside my house. And I was like, this is too much. I ran to my parents' house at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, I ran to my parents' (laughs) house at 4 o'clock knocking on the door, and they're waking up, and they're opening the door, and they're like, honey, why are you here? I'm like, I don't want to tell you.
1: (laughs) Yeah and, and they're like they're it. Like pulling it out of me.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're they're pulling it out of me. They're like, Tell us, please. And I'm like, I think my house is it. And they said Okay, come on in I'm like, wait <laughs> a second I thought I was gonna get the third degree from you but so they basically opened up and they said Do you remember when we lived in New Jersey for that one year when dad got transferred? And I'm like, Yeah. Well, we felt like that house was haunted. We didn't want to scare you kids.
1: Oh, my. So, so you had when that we experience were... and didn't even know it. Exactly. Well, it was weird because I
2: remember when I was a kid, I must have been somewhere around 9 or 10, and I remember that my bedroom was on the second floor and there was an attic, and I remember in the middle of the night I could hear things moving around above my head, but... I always played it off or my sister played it off as if it was, you know, rice or, my, mice or rats or something like that. But um, but there had to have been some reason. And I really never got out any more from my parents in relations to what exactly made them to believe that that was a haunted house. Mm-hmm. But it was just sure. interesting that I didn't get to third degree. They actually understood yeah. that
1: <laughs> they understand
2: that the place will be haunted that like that. so
1: funny. Yeah, that's great. So they just said, come on in. And, yeah, you went up to your bedroom and that was the end of it. But, you know, I do find with nursing home hospice type, not hospice as we know it today, but, you know, years ago in the 80s, um, that so many people did have dementia or Alzheimer's and, you know, they just didn't know where they were when they were alive. So when they cross over, they didn't know where they were when they were dead. So I can imagine that 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 your house is pretty populated.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what's fascinating so, is that they, they have this field called parapsychology. And understanding psychology, especially in relation to the paranormal, it doesn't take much more than just regular psychology. Um, mm-hmm. When you understand the psychology behind a person, that's still going to go to the other side. So you can only guess that some of these hospice patients, they may never have gotten visited by family. They could be very angry and, and sad and, and and all that. And what I got from this the energy from that male voice that was in the moan that was in my house is that it definitely seemed like an older person. It definitely seemed like like there's some arrogance behind it and and that um they were trying to scare me, which they did. Um you know, obviously at that time, at this point I'm not afraid of spirits because I'm a light worker. So working in holistic mm-hmm. energy healing fields and spiritual counseling. Um, we'll just say that dark spirits don't mess with me because if they do, I'm going to, I'm going to send all hell at them, you know, um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very much protected by my a- angels and all this. <laughs> Basically these spirits. Oh, I'll tell you something that's absolutely hilarious. I remember one, one day, cause I have the ability to kind of recognize where the entities are coming from. So I was like, okay, you're over there. I sent you. And I sense hostility from the entity. And i was like, I said out loud, I said, look, if you don't leave, I'm going to take care of you. And I just felt this energy off of it empathically that it was was just really nasty and, and basically uh-huh. wanted to try to scare me and all this kind of stuff and just was very – cocky the spirit entity was really cocky thinking that it was more powerful than me and I says, I'm going to give you a mm-hmm. count of five if you don't get out of here by a count of five I'm calling my angels and I almost felt from them like go ahead try that's the energy I was getting from it <laughs> yeah. so uh, I was like haunted. okay five four three two one and I'm like okay you're not gone and I started calling Michael, Gabriel, Peter, Raphael I want, I want you to show them who, who, uh, who I have and I could literally feel emotion off the entity of fear at this point it was hilarious, now you know initially, I got cockiness, like I'm stronger than you, I'm gonna ban i'm gonna you know mess with you, I'm gonna cause you problems, and then it changed straight up to fear. I'm like exactly, you called upon this to
0: yourself, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right, you know you did exactly the right thing, and you obviously have a very good connection with your angelic helpers and they're looking out for you, and you knew how and when to call them, which is great. I mean, we've had people on the show that talk about when you encounter entities like that. Yep, you, you can laugh at them; they hate that because they want you to be afraid. So it, you did exactly.
0: You are the absolutely right
2: thing. correct. You're absolutely correct, and I'm so happy you said that. Understand that one of the biggest issues of paranormal investigation is these TV shows that are really pushing on the fear. Everyone wants to get scared. And I don't understand why everyone loves getting scared so much, but something weird with the society is the scared seems to be a popular (laughs) thing.
1: (laughs) And when you're scared,
2: I want – exactly. And I got a question. If you're scared, where is a person's energy? Mm -hmm. It's gone. So when you're scared, your life force energy, your aura is weak. It's gone. Yes.
0: And so basically us when us you're us scared, paralyzed.
2: exactly. When you're scared, you literally unlock your doors to be messed with by spirits. So mm-hmm. want to know what my legacy with paranormal, my, my ghost tours in Knoxville? People are, are completely shocked. They're like, you're a light worker and you're a ghost hunter. You do ghost tours. What? I says, ah, <laughs> you see the surface. You don't see what I'm doing under the surface. What I'm yeah, doing on the surface right. is I'm taking the fear out of paranormal. Do you know
0: yeah. that I
2: have a girl, the first ever Girl Scout ghost hunting merit badge program?
1: Oh, my gosh. How fantastic is that? Good for you. I love it. I love it. That's so they learn, they
2: learn science, history, and teamwork, and they learn that, you know, you can't change the fact that spirits are here. But they're just like great-grandma, nothing to be Mm -hmm. afraid of. I remember what pushed me into creating this merit badge. I remember a few years ago, I had this grandmother contact me after a tour. She says, I want to thank you. And she just kept on over and over, I really, really want to thank you. And I'm like, why are you thanking me? It's my honor to take you guys around. She says, I want to thank you because my granddaughter can sleep in her bedroom by herself now.
1: Oh, isn't that wonderful? Gosh. So you're really creating a lot of healing with what you're doing on so many levels. I mean, bringing the history into this, again, letting people have their own personal experience, but also making sure, like you said, that people are not being followed home by anything that they're going to be afraid of. What a wonderful, wonderful experience you're offering. It's great. Jay, Adam, it's terrific. Hey, please give everybody your website again and your Facebook page. so They'll know where to go to get information in case they're going to make a trip down to your neck of the woods.
2: <laughs> I would love that. For those who are listening, thank you so much for sticking around and listening and to my stories and all my jibber-jabber. But here are different ways that you can get, uh, follow us. One, you can follow our ghost tours, which is hauntedknoxville.net. Yes, I kept that .net for a reason because I'm not selling myself out to the .com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. and, and you, can, you can go to that net and you'll notice the calendar there and it's got everything from our flagship which is our walking tour to our special events which is the Nightmare on a Tractyl, which we talked about we have the new Great Fire Investigation which is investigating the first time ever the million dollar fire that happened in 1897 and this is the most, uh, most uh, elite tour that we currently have downtown because while you're investigating with me we actually are being having uh, our general manager watching the night vision cameras and while you're investigating on walkie talkies, he's gonna let us know. By the way, that per- that girl lady in the orange shirt, uh, there's an orb over her head. So while you're investigating with the tools, we're actually gonna be uh watched by the night vision cameras as well. Total, totally neat. Mm. Adds a little extra that level is to that so investigation.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's and wonderful. Then, then of course, now you, also... you wanna
2: you also uh, want to follow gonna... me personally? yeah, <laughs> yeah so I want to give, give
1: them the all my please. websites yes, yeah so the ahead. other
2: website is me personally and it's the letter J net. you can go to that site there and you can see all the different things if you like this interview here you'll probably see a lot of other interviews and you'll see a bunch of links that you can go and listen to different interviews every, inter- every interview I do is different we talk about different stuff some you can learn a little bit more about the paranormal field and all that and I definitely invite you to do that
1: yeah, please go look up Jay Adam. You're a terrific guest. Now, let me just ask you a little bit about the tools because you mentioned yes. that you're creating your own tools. So tell us all Ooh. about that because my audience loves to hear about tools. So please share.
2: <laughs> well, that's the greatest thing about paranormal investigation is that equipment has come a long way. And as we we talked before we uh, started on air. One of the reasons why we have this amazing tools is thanks to the 1984 movie Ghostbusters. You know, they started bringing out some cool, wicked tools and stuff, and people started thinking, I wonder maybe if I could make some tools. So, of course, through the years, they've gotten better and better and better. Well, I was lucky enough to run across a man His name is Jason Clowers, and he's got Clowers ITC, which you can actually buy some of his tools currently. He's got an ePod. And a REM pod and a spirit box that he's got that he's making. Um, but what happened was is I bought one of his tools because I loved how it was reasonably priced. And I loved that it was handmade. So I, I, I me being a scientist, I'm like, I want to know how to use this effectively. So I, I asked him, Can I can I call you? So I called him and talked to him and he was so nice. Jason was so nice and he just explains like this is how it's supposed to work and this is why we believe it works and this is how to use it right. But then we started just talking and I started sharing. I says, you know I've always had these crazy ideas for different tools, and I've always wanted someone who can make it. And he says, so what ideas are those? So something in me felt comfortable to go ahead and, and share with him some of my ideas. And, and, and while I was sharing these ideas, I was like, Jason, are you still there? His response was, yes, I'm taking notes. Oh, I said, that is so okay. cool. You're really into this. You know, So basically, long story short, we're going back and forth, and he loves that I'm coming from an aspect of, of hands-on, paranormal expert aspect, master teacher. I understand how these tools work, and I also know what areas I would like to fix. And like, I like this tool, but I'd like it to have this. I like this tool, but I'd like this to happen. So basically what he's doing is he's going to work with me, and I'm going to be his tester. I'm also going to be the face of the product as well, Basically, these tools have been endorsed by me, a professional investigator, but basically we're taking these tools to the next level, and our motto is going to be the professional tool for the professional investigator, and uh, the goal is, is to have these releasing in 2019.
1: That is terrific. Now, tell me, what are the upgrades? How do you envision professional investigators using these tools? How is it just going to be? easier to use and more comprehensive and providing video and stills and audio or how are you doing this
2: (laughs) that's a great question some stuff i can tell you some stuff i can't one area is is that we're about ready to release some tools that have never been done before it's a particular angle on paranormal investigation but i can't give any more than that because i don't want anyone to try to beat us to where we're going on this, yeah, exactly. but there sure. are some tools that we're looking at doing. Um, one's going to be kind of it's going to be like a of touch basically, and we're going to have a, de- a device that's going to be able to uh, recreate the possibility of being touched. So, say you have an individual that will go into the dark into one of these rooms. Um, we'll have units that are connected uh, to a unit that has a bunch of leads that go onto your shoulder and your neck and all this. And basically be able to recognize if something actually tries, you can say, hey, can you touch me on the shoulder and actually be able to recognize something's touching you on the shoulder. Um, So that's going to be a neat one there. Um, We're also going to have handheld devices that's going to be able to allow you to monitor motion detectors from afar. So you can have some places, uh, some motion detectors set in different parts of the house and be able to be in the basement and be able to recognize if those other rooms have been triggered to you wirelessly. Um, just so many different angles, so many different things that, that um, all the tools are going to be updated and something different. You know, we um, really want to be an, a, a tool designer that's going to allow someone to be very mobile and not have to have all that setup time. And that's one of the biggest things is you'll notice these investigation teams and stuff, they'll they'll have to spend a long time running all the wires and oh, cables yeah. into a house to do the night vision cameras, and all that. While they're doing all that's that, right. we'll go in, do our thing, and, and leave. And we'll be like, well, you have a nice time cleaning up. We're gonna go have a dinner. Um, hope you don't stay up too too late and have bags under your eyes. Uh, we're gonna get all of our <laughs> stuff, be able to knock out what we need very quickly, and have a lot of amazing um, devices to support evidence. And that's the most important thing. Those who are listening, it's great if a tool goes off, but really think about how can I substantiate that evidence. This is what I'm all about. As a master teacher, I'm teaching people how to create enough pieces of evidence so that when you tell people about it or you try to explain it, it's like, look, this has to be haunted because this, this, and this went off at the same location. I I got all this at the same spot. So it's really what they're learning.
1: That's terrific. Now, what about the cost of these tools? Are you going to try to... Keep it affordable for the average person? I mean, it sounds like you're going to have a lot of bells and whistles on these things.
2: Exactly. What we're going to try to do is we're going to try to keep it as a, as a you know mom-and-pop kind of uh, organization, try to keep it uh, from being one of these uh, organizations that kind of really try to rip people off and overprice their devices. We're going, to, we're going to price them effectively. If a device has a lot of components to it, we'll be forced to have, to raise, have the price at a higher rate um, but the idea is is really trying to see if we can cut, some you know, be able to, to lower the cost of the unit so that, you know, you don't you won't lose the bank on your devices. And I know that an in investigator is always looking for new tools. And what we're also talking about doing is once we break into the new new business, um, we're going to have a limited edition tools that's going to go out initially. So basically, what we're looking at is like say we release one of the devices the first 200 are going to be signed and numbered. So how cool would it be to
0: okay. have
2: one of the first devices ever made of this particular thing and actually be signed by me and the designer um, and numbered and all that. You know, for example, we all know the, um, uh, the Frank's box and all that,
4: mm-hmm. um, that is used mm-hmm. as
2: one of the most clear uh, spirit boxes out there. Um, Well, those are numbered, and actually you can see who owns them. Typically, celebrities own those devices. They're so hard to get, Um, and you can actually see, you know, how it changes hands, if it does change hands, and who's currently got it for a celebrity. So I'm kind of thinking the same way in relation to these. It's like how neat it would be that we could have some devices that are numbered, and um, we can keep track of those who have it. It's like uh, Mary Jane over in, in a different state has this device here you know, and also offer a little bit of training when they get this device as well. So it's not like you're just getting the device. The device is actually going to have maybe a DVD or something go along and say, look, we're going to talk to you about this device. Let me show you how to, to use it effectively. I think a lot of these devices oh, that's great. really don't have that personal touch.
1: No, they go out, they, I've you know, I've seen them, and they they come with this little tiny instruction brochure, <laughs> and you know, you're left with a lot of questions. So I think it's great that you're able to offer people this type of uh, online training or DVDs or whatever. it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that you're doing. Thank and you. would you please keep us posted because we'll let everybody know also when they are available and you just uh, give us the word, we'll put it out there on our end. and best of luck to you, Jay Adam. This has been a wonderful evening, Halloween spending it with you and hearing all about Knoxville. So if I make it down your way, I'll be sure to look you up and definitely, I will go on one of your tours because it just sounds like so much fun. And you're doing a great job. Oh, I'll
2: be happy. I'll be happy to comp you a ticket because I'd love to have you there. I'd love to be back on the show. Best way to follow me is just make sure you follow our Facebook page and make sure that you actually do put it on it, that you want to see our notifications because anything new comes up. Typically, we'll go through our social media Facebook. Um, it's kind of oh, that. Either we'll, that or my personal we'll website you. as well. Yeah, we'll we'll
1: definitely keep an eye out for whatever you're doing on Facebook. And you just reminded me, everybody out in the audience, make sure you're following us on Supernatural Girls with a Z. And also check out Divine Aligns, A-L-I-G-N-S. It's our new site on Facebook. And we are going to have some very cool things for you, too. So thanks again, Jay Adam. Happy Halloween, everybody. Next week, we'll be back with Lon Duquette, a very famous occultist. And he's got a new book. We're going to hear all about it. So happy Halloween again, everybody. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night.
0: Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.